John chapter 10 and verse 10. Thank you, Lord. Let's take a moment and pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we do approach your word today with great humility, great expectation. Lord, we do seek your wisdom, answers, direction for our lives. Help us, each and every one of us today, to receive a word from God, a word that will help us to adjust things that need to be uh, adjusted, straightened out in our lives. Help us to see and know you more. Lord, give us eyes to see and ears to hear, spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. Lord, we pray for utterance now. Thank you for utterance in the Holy Ghost's boldness to speak your word in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, here we go. John chapter 10, verse 10. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have, what? Life. And that they may have it more abundantly. How I many know it is the will of God without question that we have life, the abundant life or Zoe life of God. Amen? Powerful stuff. Amplified Bible says it this way The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come, in fact, I'm reading the New King James again. <laughs> I have them both written on my paper. Amplified says it this way. The thief comes only in order to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. It's the will of God that we enjoy our lives. And so we began this series a few weeks ago called How to Be Happy and Enjoy Life. And it is absolutely the will of God that we enjoy ourselves here on the earth. It's not all about... I'll be happy someday when I get to heaven. What a day of rejoicing that will be. No, but we're supposed to enjoy life and have the biggest smiles around and be totally fulfilled and content while we're here on the earth. In order to do this, it is essential that we recognize the source of sorrows and the source of happiness. If we don't know where these things come from, then we are very likely going to miss it. And we'll be searching for happiness and end up sad. And believe it or not, there are some children of God filled with the Spirit, saved on their way to heaven, that are sad. And we want to remedy that. If you've been here for the last, you know, few weeks and you're still sad, um, I want to encourage you to pay attention. <laughs> and not only that, I want to encourage you to be a doer of the word. Remember James wrote, be doers of the word and not hearers only. And we have to put into practice the things that we hear. I've been guilty of this before where I was hearing a word from God, hearing a great message taught. And I knew, man, that's good. That's my answer. That's what I need to do. And I became satisfied with knowing the answer. And so I was happy for a little while. But how many know uh, it doesn't last unless you put it into practice? And we have to be doers of these things. And some of this, as we've said to you already, is an adjustment of our thinking. And it's an adjustment of our believing concerning whatever's happening in our lives. Because our happiness and our ability to enjoy life is not, I've said it before, but I'll say it again, is not contingent upon our surroundings. 
all right? And if we're thinking, if I just had this, if I could just change this, move here, change these people in my life, change these job, this job, then I will be happy. You will be happy short term. It will give you a little boost, but you'll go back to your ugly, sad self. Did I say ugly? I meant ugly on the inside, you know. And, well, <laughs> it'll go back to normal. <laughs> and so we must understand that our fulfillment and happiness does not come from those things. It does not come from our possessions. If we're finding our life in our possessions, uh, we need to understand that that's a recipe for disaster. Are we saying that God doesn't want us to have possessions? No. In fact, He wants us to enjoy possessions. Amen? He gave us all things richly to enjoy. If you got nice stuff, yay. Amen? Have a good time. Enjoy it. Don't feel bad about it. Don't feel guilty. Enjoy. If you want more, good. God will give you more. But don't be deceived into thinking that your life is all about your stuff or all about your hobbies or all about the things, uh, other things that you do. I want you to look at Luke chapter 12 with me. If a person is looking to their stuff for their fulfillment, not only will that not be the case long term, but it will also produce fighting, arguing, a lot of uh, disgruntled feelings in life, a lot of problems in relationships. Over here in, in, in Luke chapter 12, notice with me in verse 13, it says, Then one from the crowd said to him, Teacher, Tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Now, I don't know, if, if you imagine the Lord Jesus, as I imagine uh, many of us have, I have, you, try, you picture him in his mind and how he responds and, and how he related to the disciples and people around him. What's about to happen is not what I picture. I picture, you know, this guy coming, he's got a dispute with his brother, they're fighting over money, and I think maybe the Lord Jesus would say, okay, well, get your brother over here, let's sit down and try to just hammer something out, and we can work out a plan and, and get it, make it fair for everybody, you'll be happy. I don't know, maybe you imagine as well that Jesus would do something like that, but let's always adjust what we think the Lord might do with what he actually does. In this situation, verse 14, but he said to him, man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? <laughs> in other words, what are you bringing that to me for? Isn't that interesting to think that God would do that? <laughs> We're praying about something and God says, deal with it. Lord, help me. My, my brother's trying to steal, steal the inheritance. We got to divide this up. He said, what's that, what have, that's what I have to, what's that have to do with me? Take care of it. <laughs> you got to watch out whose business you get into. Many times we have opportunity to get in the middle of someone else's fight, someone else's struggle, someone else's, and many times the answer is not, okay, let me try to help you out. It's like, why are you trying to bring me into this? You're, you're going to try to get me on your side. They're going to try to get me on their side. You guys deal with it. But here's what Jesus did do, like he's so good at doing he shot right to the heart in the very next verse. And he said, uh, he said to them, take heed and beware of covetousness. 
For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. He recognized the source of their friction, the source of their argument, was a thing called covetousness. He said, that's what you got to watch out for. Not all about your stuff. Not, about, not, not, not all about uh, your life and all the things that you possess. It's about covetousness in this situation. Many people today depend on and rely on the resources that they have, the natural securities that they have to make them feel safe, taken care of, make them feel content. And it's a dangerous place to be. Many people, maybe some in here, you didn't come to the Lord. Or maybe you didn't, maybe you're here in church today because everything fell apart. You hit bottom. You know, as we say, landed on your back and the only place to look was up. And so you finally did. And I, I would have to admit, uh, begrudgingly, uh, in my own life, looking back, there have been times when I was really under attack and things weren't going so great that I prayed more than I prayed when everything was good. I got in the Word more than I did when everything was good. And I'm not telling you this as something that I feel good about because I teach the opposite. <laughs> and the goal and the, the, the better way in this is that we pray when everything's good. We pray when everything's going fine instead of the human way, the flesh way that we do. If I got money, my health is there, family's doing all right, everything's good, then we kind of cruise. We just kind of take it easy. We live. We know we're taken care of. Yeah, I'm okay. Financial downturn. Ooh, I got money. Okay, I got a good job. Show up to church once in a while. Yeah, I'm saved. I'm forgiven. The Lord knows that. I, I love the Lord. And, but our commitment level goes way down. Until again, oftentimes when people get in a real big tough spot. Then, there they are. They're back. They're praying again. They're in the Word. Now, here's the good news about that. The Lord is merciful. And the Lord is kind. And if that's the case with you today... You know what? We're not here to beat you up over it. We're here to say, sure glad you're here. The Lord loves you and the Lord's not going to knock you down for only showing up when you're hurting. Right? And I feel that way. I feel that way about people who have, uh, you know, they only, they only come around when they're doing bad. And I can tell you, I can, I can call names. <laughs> Would never do so. But when people show up, just when they're hurting, just when things are going bad, you know how I feel? I'm glad. I'm glad to see them. You know, some people stay out of church because they think, well, people are only going to, they know I'm just there because, you know, something's wrong in my life. Or oh, I've heard people say this, uh, you know, we do a special event, a, you know, a big church barbecue or special speakers or something like that. I've heard people say when they're invited to come, uh, you know, I'd like to go, but if I go now, everyone's going to think that I just show up when there's food. <laughs> you do. <laughs> Believe it or not, there are people that only show up when there's food. Say, <laughs> so what do we do? Feed them. 
<laughs> and hope the word sticks. Total. Hope the word sticks and stays with them. And, and, uh, and some people only come when they're mad at their pastor. <laughs> they're ticked off at every one of their church, so they start going somewhere else, and they may show up here and say, what do we do? We love them. Hope the word sticks. And they learn not to, you know, keep offense and stay mad at people, learn to forgive and not let bitterness rule their lives and divide the body of Christ and so forth. But in the meantime, what do we do? Love them. Show the mercy of God. But now that we're here, and we know that we have all probably acted that way to some degree at different times in our life where we've gone after the things of God more when it hurt than when it didn't hurt. Understand that that's not the way God moves. He's not knocking you down to get you to look up. He would rather us look up when things are fine. And we need to be smart enough that we're pursuing Him and His ways and His goodness and, in, and, and His Word when things are up, when things are good. Money's in the bank and relationships are good and health is all there and, and everything else. Amen? But let's look up and do right when everything's okay. That's the will of God. Look at Philippians chapter 1 with me. Philippians, the first chapter. One major theme of this book of Philippians can be summed up in one word, and that word is selflessness. Selflessness. Paul, writing this book to the Philippians, did not care about himself. And you can see that over and over. And this is one of the principles I want to bring out to you today, because uh, I got to warn you, we've had a little fun already, but this message is difficult for some to receive. And I'm speaking to the cream of the crop here, right? Best of the best. Top gun. <laughs> get ready. I'm going to get in your business. <laughs> I'm going to present a challenge to you that I believe that many believers don't want anything to do with. Are you nervous? No. <laughs> All right, Philippians chapter 1 and verse 12. But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. Now, what happened to him? Well, you know this from last week, at least one thing. He's in jail. Paul is sitting in a prison cell and he's writing a letter to the Philippians and he says, I want you to know something. Now let's, let's take a step back from this a moment and see what he didn't say, what he didn't want them to know because we might find ourselves, if we were in that condition, we would want people to know some stuff too, but not what he wanted them to know. He could have said, I want you to know it stinks in here. I'm sleeping on a rock. The food is a joke. It is terrible. I mean, the conditions that I'm in right now are really bad. And I'm writing so you guys would pray. I need you guys to pray me out of this place like yesterday. Get on it quick because it's bad. I just want you to know the conditions that I'm living in right now. But he said nothing of the kind. 
He didn't say anything like that. He wasn't trying to get everyone else to know how much he hurt or his miserable conditions. And I'm telling you, that is often the first thing that we want. What's the old saying? Misery loves company. Often when we're going through it or we're in a bad place, that's the first thing we want people to know. We don't want to suffer and have no one know about it. (laughs) We want everyone else to feel our pain (laughs) and share with us, even if it's disguised in a prayer request. We want people to know the conditions, the things we're having to put up with. But that was not, they knew he was in jail at this point, but for him to elaborate on all the bad uh, circumstances he was in, that was not what he wanted them to know. Didn't even bring that up. He said, but what I do want you to know is that the things that have happened to me, it's causing the gospel to go forward even more. See what he's interested in? He's not thinking about his own well-being. And say, but isn't that what we're talking about? Being happy? Enjoying life? Aren't we talking about our own well-being? Yes, but now I'm showing you how to get there. And that is, you don't go after well-being and happiness. Let me say it this way. You don't get it by going after it. And this is one of those contrary truths. Those backward to human thinking truths in the Bible. But listen, let's go on, go on more. He said, what's happened to me? Man, the gospel's going out. I wrote you so you'd know that. This is actually turning out for something good. Verse 13, so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. In other words, they knew. They knew that he wasn't there because he robbed 7-Eleven. Right? He wasn't in jail because he was just a crook. They knew Paul's here because he preaches Jesus. He's preaching the gospel, and that's why he's there. How many would want people to know that if you were in jail? I would. I would want them to think, I'm just here because of my own doings. If I, if I was there for preaching the gospel, he said, everybody knows it. That's good news. Verse 14, and most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much bolder to speak the word without fear. He said, this is what else is happening. All the brethren, they're getting loud, they're getting bold, they're becoming more confident, and they're speaking the word, and they're not afraid anymore. He's saying all this because I'm in this stinking little cell here. Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing to add affliction to my chains, but the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. In other words, some people were talking about the Lord, not because they believed in Him, but because they wanted Paul to hurt. They were mocking. They were speaking in a a way that... uh, They were, you know, again, like it says here, trying to add uh, problems to Paul, but they weren't preaching in a positive way. But notice Paul's spin on this. (laughs) It's amazing. He said, what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or truth, Christ is preached, and in this I rejoice, yes, and will rejoice. I want you to notice here, Paul found something to rejoice in some people who are preaching Christ and they're doing it in a bad way but he said at least they're talking about the Lord 
Some are doing it because they want the gospel spread. Some are talking about the Lord because they want me to suffer more. At least Jesus is being talked about. At least, at least Christ is being preached. And he said, in this, I'm going to rejoice. That is a key to whatever we're dealing with in our lives today. We must find an in this. Whatever's going on. There's a lot of stuff. You can talk about the rats in the cell. You can talk about the junk going. Or you can find in this, I'm going to rejoice. I'm telling you, there's always something for someone to rejoice about. He didn't say, in this cell I rejoice. Or in those circumstances, or I can say it this way, because of those circumstances I'm rejoicing. No, that wasn't of God. It wasn't God's plan. But he was there nonetheless. We didn't realize that God's will doesn't always happen. That's another message. But uh, not everything that happens to you is directed by God. Not everything that comes, comes your way was God's will to happen. This wasn't God's will for Paul. But it was the will of those who hated God. They were trying to stop the gospel. Inspired by Satan himself. But he found himself in that situation, and so he found something in the middle of it to rejoice in. And he's listing all these things off. That's key. Whatever's going on, find and in this to rejoice in. Okay? Let's keep going. Um, verse 19, For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed but with all boldness as always so now also Christ will be magnified in my body whether by life or death he's saying I don't care if I live I don't care if I die what I care about is that Christ is glorified I want you to notice this attitude this is far above where the average Christian in our country lives where we say it doesn't matter what happens to me It's not about me. As long as Christ is glorified, I'm good. As long as the kingdom is advanced, as long as the gospel is going forward, I'm good. I'm okay with that. If I die in here, man, big whoop-de-doo. How many know death is not something we should be afraid of? Not even for a second. Not even for a moment. Uh, Listen, I mean, if you're not saved... Be afraid. I'm telling you. But if you're saved, (laughs) oh, happy day. (laughs) Amen. I mean, death, it's just like stepping out. I've not yet experienced it, but if the Lord doesn't come back before I get really old, I will. But I know from the testimony of some, some believers who have died, and have been have come back either through resurrection power or through paddles. <laughs> Ching, you know, have died for a period of time. And uh, some of these reports, they talk about they stepped outside of their body, watched things going on in the room, described them afterwards. You know, when they were dead and unconscious and and beyond unconscious, but you know, clinically dead. And uh, they just step out. You realize if we if we were to all die instantly right now, you know, we all got nuked or something. Does that sound morbid? 
It wouldn't hurt. You know, it happens so quick. So chill. <laughs> but if we, could, if we all were to die at the same time, we would all step out and see each other. Don't believe everything in the movies you see, because some of that is kind of twisted, most of it. But you'd step out of your body, we'd see each other, you'd look over and see your angel. He'd have a big smile on his face. You'd go, you'd probably, probably like this. And he'd look at you, and you'd look at him, he'd say, you ready to go? You'd say, let's do it. And whew, you're out of here and about to go on the greatest adventure of your life. Death? You're a lot more dangerous in this world if you're not afraid. Not afraid of death. All that you care about is I want Jesus to be glorified in me. Whether it's I'm alive or whether, you know, I don't want to die any other way than the only way I only way to really die good, other than live, fulfilling your whole life, you know, fulfilling your race, is to be persecuted to death. And that's what he, I think he's talking about. You know, if I die because of, you persecute me that way, and, and he did, uh, then that'd be a good way to go. But the issue is, is Christ glorified? Does the gospel go forward as a result of my life? Listen, this is a different mindset than most have. We are thinking about our stuff. Thinking about ourselves, our possessions, how are we going to do this? What about this? Our fulfillment, I want to be happy. And being, wanting to be happy is not bad. It's not a bad desire. But the road to get there is completely different than the natural human mindset. I want to be happy, so I'm going to try to be happy. I'm going to try to bring things into my life that put a smile on my face. When the true scriptural answer is to forget about yourself. I mean, no, if you forget about you, most of your problems are gone. But that is the method. It is the road to true happiness and fulfillment. Not saying God doesn't want us to prosper. We take the whole Word of God. Not saying He doesn't want us blessed and to have a great family and enjoy nice things. All that's included. We just don't make those things the reason that we live. We don't make them the source of our fulfillment and our happiness in life. Look at Galatians chapter 2. You remember the scripture that says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Anybody remember that? Is that the whole scripture? We sure hope not. You got to read the rest of it. Remember? But the Lord shall deliver him out of them all. Out of them all. It's all important. Always important that we read the whole thing. Don't just read the problem. Read the solution. Some can approach the Bible and actually come out and think, well, that's a negative book. How many know they read the wrong part? Say, are there negative parts? Sure. There are none righteous. No, not one. (laughs) like yikes huh there are none that seek god none seek his faith all have your righteousness is as filthy rags well that's negative but how many know you keep reading and you find out that if anyone is in christ he's a new creation 
Amen. And so you got to keep reading. Read to the end. Don't tell the joke and leave out the punchline. Get to the point that ends up in a good situation. Everybody in Galatians? Chapter 2 and verse 20. Paul wrote here, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Notice how he viewed his life. He viewed his life. He said, I'm dead. I'm a dead guy. I've been, I've been crucified. I was crucified with Christ. Now it's not about me. It's all about him. That's why he was able in his prison cell to totally spin everything to make Jesus look good. And I spin, say spin, I don't mean that in a deceptive way. We know in, pol- in the political realm and people are always debating each event and one side spins it their way, the other side spins it the other way uh, and sometimes there's deception involved in that. Uh, we don't want to deceive. What we want to do is shine the light on whatever's happening in our life and find a way in the middle of everything to make Jesus be glorified. Find something in whatever's happening. Not that we're saying it's from God. Someone ends up in the hospital and they're laid up in a bed. Don't say that's from God. It's not. It's not the way he works. How many people did Jesus put in the hospital when he was on the earth? Can you say zero? (laughs) It's not the way God works. But if we find ourselves in a situation that we know is not of God and we didn't choose it, but we're there, however it happened, find a way to stick your finger in the devil's eye and make him pay for it. So how can I make him pay for it? Smile. Find something to rejoice in. Say, well, while I was there, you know, got to meet some nice people. Got to share Jesus with some nice folks who are helping me out there. They got to see how, uh, how a Christian acts in the middle of a bad circumstance. They got to see that a Christian doesn't lose their joy and their victory just because everything's falling apart. What are we doing? In this, I rejoice. We're finding something to rejoice in, to give God praise for. That is a key to living a happy, content, and fulfilled life. That's what Paul had. He got to the place. He said, it's just really not about me. It's just really not about me. I'm crucified with Christ. It's not even me who's living. It's not about my life. It's about Christ who lives in me. We will learn to die to our own desires, our own goals, everything that we want. We'll find that those things will come back in a hurry. But they'll come back God's way. And if we don't, if we ever find ourselves in a situation that is not real comfortable, we're fulfilled anyway because that's not the source of it. And people wonder, how do you do this? You're happy? You're really happy with this going on? I'm not happy about that going on, but I'm happy in Him no matter what's going on. Amen. Listen, it'd be easy for some of us to get to a point where we care too much about natural stuff. I like to watch sports, football, recording the game right now. (laughs) DVR, right? Thank God for it. <laughs> uh, but I've recognized, because I have favorite teams, 
favorite basketball team won the championship this year. Favorite baseball team just made the playoffs. <laughs> and so forth. But I found this. I can't care about it too much. Say, why? Because I've noticed at different times in my life, if my team lost and I really wanted them to win, it didn't put me in a good mood. And I think, give me a break. I can't believe I actually feel this way because I know better. I'm really going to base my happiness for that day on whether my team that I have nothing to do with, they don't know me, (laughs) whether they won or whether they lost, even if you're on a team, of course you want to win. If you, you know, if someone's a professional, that's your livelihood, that's your job. Of course you want to win and you should strive to win, but you can't let a loss sap away your joy. You're disappointed in the loss, but you're glad in the Lord. And your gladness in the Lord must be more powerful than your disappointment in the loss. So these things kind of creep in on us for many different ways. We get too attached to something in the world, and we care about it too much. Amen. Because then you got to bring in, you know, if someone's competitive and they play sports, uh, and you really want to win, I'm that way. If I'm playing, I'm going to win. Bless God. <laughs> Winning isn't, isn't everything. It's the only thing. <laughs> uh, but I want to win. But here's what we must watch. I can't want to win so much that I want to drive the other person into the ground. You know, if you're playing football, you want to do that. But, <laughs> but I mean on a personal level to where you want someone else, uh, you want to ruin their life. No, we can't want that. I have to, because I'm a child of God, I have love for that other person. And if we're competing, that's in the spirit of sportsmanship. I'll knock you on your butt. But, but when we're done, how many know we've got to have the right attitude towards other people? And that's, a, that's an area we've got to watch that we continually walk in love with others. Amen. Go to Acts chapter 20. I've I got two more scriptures I want to show you today in closing. Understand this, that all depression and discontentment centers around selfishness. If you can eliminate selfishness from your life, you will be content. I know that's a tough pill to swallow sometimes. But what we're talking about here is something that most people, I believe, are not willing to live. And that is we lose our life for Him. It's all about Him. It's not about whether I get everything I want. It's all about I want Jesus to be glorified. I want His gospel to go out. And if I live for that, then and only then have I tapped into the fullness of what God has promised me, fullness of joy. Absolute fullness and and. Uh, completeness in my life where I feel happy I'm enjoying life no matter what's happening around me and that's a risky step for some only because they don't have faith this is a big step of faith for someone to fully let go 
of their mental attachment to things they enjoy in this world. Again, we, have, we even know from the get-go that God gave us things to enjoy. So if we sell out with everything we have, we're going to end up with the stuff to enjoy anyway. It's just a different pathway to get there. Some will not let go because they don't think it's ever gonna ha- they're ever going to have anything. They're going to be sad. I've spoken with people who um, they said, if I receive the Lord... And if I get saved, there are too many things that I will have to give up. What's happening there? It's a great deception that says, if, I'm, if I live as a Christian, if I give my life completely to the Lord, then I'm not going to have anything. I'm going to be unhappy and I'm going to be unfulfilled when just the opposite is true. But there must be a release to ever find that out. You have to let go of stuff, or you'll never know what true Christianity is about. Let me come back to that. Acts chapter 20 and verse verse 22. And see now I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem. This is Paul talking here. Not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city saying that chains and tribulations await me. Imagine if that were you. Everywhere you go, someone prophesies to you, you're about to get beat up. You're going to Jerusalem. You've got chains. You've got tribulation. They are going to mess you up, man. And you go to the next city. Yay, i got a word for you. Oh, good. You're about to get knocked around, man. <laughs> but how did he respond to that? Verse 24, he said, but none of these things move me. That, that, that's a good theme right there for our lives. How you respond to a lot of things ought to be, doesn't move me. It doesn't move me. He said, nor do I count my life dear to myself. That's his key. This is one of the biggest keys that I could give you to being happy and enjoying life. He said, I do not count my life dear to myself. So that, notice that phrase, underline, if you write in your Bible, underline, circle, so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify of the gospel of the grace of God. What do you mean so that? The way that he was going to finish his life, his race, his assignment with a smile on his face, with joy in his life, was because he didn't count his life dear to himself. If I don't count my life dear to myself, I'm going to be sad. I've got to look out for number one. I mean, if I don't, who's going to? He said, I don't count my life dear to myself so that I'll end up with a smile on my face, so that I will be able to run my race with joy. But too many times people think, I've got to do this. This makes me happy. I've got to watch my show. That makes me happy. I've got to have my coffee. That makes me happy. Whatever. I've got to do this and this. I've got to have these things in my life. That's what brings fulfillment. No, it doesn't. You're getting a temporary fix, and it's a crutch to you. It's hindering your faith when you pray because you're relying on something natural. And here's the principle. He said, I don't count my life dear to myself. It's not about me. And I know that results in me Finishing my race with joy. Luke chapter 9. We'll close here. 
Anybody getting anything so far? Luke chapter 9. In verse 23. Then he said to them all, this is Jesus speaking, red letter guy. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. What? Deny himself. And take up his cross, how often? Daily. Daily. And follow me. Why, why daily? You, you're going to forget. <laughs> Your flesh is going to be in charge again. You'll start latching on to things that make you comfortable, things that you put your security in, things in this world. You'll start trusting in those instead of Him. Take it up daily. He said, for whoever desires to save his life, what will they do? They'll lose it. Say, but I just want to be happy. You'll lose your happiness. I just want to enjoy life. Fine. That's a good desire to want that. It's the will of God. But if in your desire to enjoy life, you pursue and try to make yourself enjoy life, you won't. It's like the scriptures that say, give and it shall be given unto you. That doesn't make any sense. If I want to increase financially, I give what I have away. Doesn't make any sense in the natural realm, but it's a spiritual principle in the kingdom of God that one causes the other. What causes a person to have fullness of life? Give it away. Whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. You give it up and you get it back shiny and clean. All polished up with a smile on it. You give it to him, it's not that exciting. Oh, but I have a lot of stuff. I mean, I've accomplished a lot. Who are you talking to? We're giving it to him. He knows all, he is all, he has all. Whatever we've accomplished, it's nothing in comparison. You give it up and you get something far, far better. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and and is himself destroyed or lost. And this is a true Christian. And I have a feeling that many people are far away from this. We've decided to receive the Lord. And, and we did. But too often we put our toe in the water. And we're willing to try it out. You know, you've done that when it's water's cold. <laughs> and we feel it. And then you ever, you ever do that and you try to, you're getting in the pool or a lake or something and you go little by little. <sighs> and then it gets up to your stomach. <sighs> gets on those ribs. <sighs> that is cold. <laughs> We're trying it out little by little, but some, a lot of times people do that with the Lord. Their commitment, they're selling out their life. I've accepted the Lord, and I'm a Christian now. But what's happening? Their foot's a Christian. <laughs> their, foot, their foot is in Christ. And the Lord took it. 
He said, great, your foot will go to heaven. <laughs> no. <laughs> now, you're saved. You're in Christ. But as far as their heart is concerned and their full commitment, they've just, they're barely in the water. And that's not what produces the life that God intended and perceived for a Christian to experience. It's, there's no way that this produces that. And people live that way for many years. They're a Christian. No doubt about it. The Lord's in their life. They're in Christ. Barely. And I mean that figuratively, not theologically. Because you're either saved or you're not. But they're, uh, they're in Christ. But they're not experiencing what it really means to be a full Christian. What does God want us to do? Those crazy people. You've seen them. Maybe you were that one. Everyone else was tiptoeing in the water, and you went off the diving board. You didn't even put your toe in first. And that's how we're supposed to give our lives and sell out to Him. We just jump. And He's got all of me. And if I want some of me back, I can't reach the edge. Too many times people get in, but they're still hanging on. They're hanging on to the edge, and they're not willing to fully... Trust their life to the Lord. And so there's things in the world they want to hold on to that bring them security, that bring them comfort. I like this still. This is still a part of who I am. No, it's not. You is dead. You, your life, is supposed to be wiped out of this. And it's all, I know this is severe here. I know this is intense. It's all about Him, period. Not about our lives. And then watch how he fills our life with absolute completeness and fullness. And we're thrilled every day in our life. And there's nothing that can happen to us that takes that away. Because literally, we don't care about our life. We don't count our life dear to ourselves. And that produces joy. Then you can have stuff and it doesn't have you. Then you can enjoy life and nothing in this world rules you. Your football team can lose. And you might be disappointed in the outcome of that game, but it doesn't wreck your marriage. (laughs) You don't have to kick the cat because of it. Because your life is not found in the outcome of that game. So what if I lose my job? Well, I know that's not a good event necessarily and you don't like that fact... But you're still saved. You're still in Christ. And that's what matters more than anything. And if a person is in that position, they're easy for God to move into a new and better circumstance. But we're not going to kick the cat and kick the dog and yell at our kids as a result of some stuff not going right. Amen. Amen. Let's pray today. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for this time we've had together. Thank you for your spirit moving and working in our hearts and in our lives. We believe that you're at work in us, as the scripture says, both to will and to do of your good pleasure. And so I pray that these words which I've spoken, Lord, will sink down deep into the hearts and minds of every person. And even as we leave this place, I pray that these words would guide our expectations from life and our commitment to you. Lord, do a work in us that no man can do. 
Everybody take a moment just right where you're sitting. I want you to do business with the Lord. It's not something you have to do in a public way. But if there are areas of your life, if you've been hanging on to the side of the pool, trying to, just trying to hold on to some natural thing that gives you comfort, would you lay it all down for Him and say, Lord, I trust you in everything. I give it all to you. I'm not here to live my life. I'm here to live your life. I'm here for your, your spirit to work in me and work through me. Lord, we do lay it all down. And thank you for your help. Thank you for your strength. You enable us to live this supernatural life. It cannot be lived our own way. Thank you for your help today. Give you all the praise, all the glory, all the honor.